This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Okay, tonight, I, what I titled this is, You Can Have Miracle Working Faith. You Can Have Miracle Working Faith. And I want you to turn to Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9. And you know, I heard, I heard somebody say years ago, it's absolutely true. Did you know that any answer to prayer is a miracle? You know why that is? That's somebody out of the unseen realm called heaven reaching into the seen realm called earth that we live in and doing things down here in our world. When you pray to the Father in the name of Jesus, He answers your prayer. That's a miracle. Because that was something changing something that you couldn't do. And somebody that you can't see, He did it. And that was a miracle. And so we have to understand that, that God's a miraculous working God. And when we pray and we get answers, that's a miracle. Amen. You know, I think about some, some stupid thing my kids told me about. They went to, I think it was your mom's funeral a couple of years ago, and I wasn't there. And had, had some, somebody somewhere, wherever they was walking, had found a stack of rocks. They said, what, what are they stacking those rocks around? Well, this person wasn't a God-believing man. He said, well, you, something like this. said, you, you Christians... Uh, find out ways to try to get in contact your inner self or your inner whatever like that. He said, some people stack rocks is how they get a hold of their inner inner being. I thought, wow, that's not a miracle. Man, I, I mean, you know, animals can stack rocks. Anything can stack rocks. But only human beings can have the Spirit of God in them where the one they worship is on the inside of them. And they reach up to heaven and he does miracles and many times uses their spirit to do it. You know, you think about this. Jesus said, you lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. That's Mark 16. Then verse 20, it says that Jesus worked with them, confirming the word with signs following. Well, what did he confirm? He confirmed what you did. He did the miracle, but he did it through you. And you know, I think about Moses part in the Red Sea. God did a great miracle, but he told Moses what to do. He said, Moses, you hold up the rod. And I'll part the sea, but you hold up the rod. you got your part to do. I think about your born-again salvation. Think about this. Who was it that saved you? Not a set-up question. Who, who, who saved you? Jesus. Not a set-up. Jesus saved you, but you had your part. Romans 10, 9 and 10. Believe in your heart, confess with your mouth. You had to do that. Romans 10, verse 13. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You didn't do the saving. You had your part to do that. You had to cooperate. You had to do what God told you to do, and you received a miracle. Your sins were forgiven. You become a new creature in Christ. You did your part. And so that's how things work in every realm of life you need miraculous answers in. There's always the God part and the man part. And many times, for people that don't know God, God will divinely, miraculously do things for them because they don't know to get their attention. And for new Christians, a lot of times... God does a whole lot of things, cutting them slack because they don't know. But you know, I think about I think about my little grandson uh, Everett. We got so many grandkids now, man. Have to go through the address book. Think about little Everett. I was holding him last night on my lap there. They they left this morning to take off for Joe's next assignment. Holding him on my lap there, man. I smelled it as soon as he got on my lap. But I I don't I don't do sack of poo poo. Oh, that's my Japanese coming out. That's that's dirty diaper and Japanese sack of poo poo. But he's sitting on my lap there, and 
And uh, he'll smell like this. Mama says, says uh, did he do something? I said, yeah. I said, but that's okay. I just wanted to hold him for a while. You guys are leaving. So I did that. But I'm thinking, what would happen if this 10-year-old big boy in the front row sat on my lap and I smelled sack of poo-poo? I think by the time he was 10 years old, Mama shouldn't have to change his diaper. I'll be changing himself. That's the way your Heavenly Father looks at you as Christians. By the time you sit under the Word for lots of seasons, where you've got the Word, you ought to be able to change your own diapers, God expects you not to mess your pants as much as you used to. <clears throat> and if you do, He doesn't expect you to be serving Him for 25 years, and all you think you can do is get on the prayer tree, or get on the prayer chain, and somebody to pray for you. Get 2,000 likes so God will do something for you. God expects you, by the time you serve Him for a while, you ought to be able to call upon the name of the Lord and get answers yourself. You ought to be, you ought to be the prayer line. You ought to be the one working the prayer line, not the one crying out all the time for mercy. And that's not to say that sometimes, sometimes even the strongest ones of us have to cry out for mercy and help sometimes ourselves, but it shouldn't be your lifestyle. Amen. Amen. Doing better preaching than you are shouting. So Mark chapter nine, and we're, we're going to start looking at verse 22. A little history on this. A man's son was having evidently epileptic seizures. Where he was having seizures, foam with the mouth, and, and things happening to him. And so then he come to Jesus looking for help. And he says in verse 22, And oftentimes, talking about a demon spirit, hath cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything, how many believe Jesus could do anything? But you notice the if there. The man didn't know for sure because he wasn't that close to Jesus. And Christians today that aren't that close to Jesus, when they pray, they have the ifs and the buts, and I don't know. But you walk close to Jesus, you get rid of those because you know. Somebody said amen. The closer you are, the closer you know. I know last year when the devil tried to take me out with that stage four blood cancer, I never had any ifs in my prayer. I knew, I knew where God stood in it. And I knew my part was any adjustments I had to make in life to be in position to receive. I had my part. Things God dealt me about, I had to make adjustments. I had to change things in my life so God could do what he said he would do. There's no ifs in it. When I got diagnosed, I knew where the attack came from. It was from the devil. I knew where the answer came from. It was from Jesus. I knew the determining factor of what happened was me. And so as I sought God and I spent my time with him, if I saw things to change, it was, yes, sir, I'll do that. I saw things to adjust, it was, yeah, I'm going to make that adjustment. I'm going to change. And you know what? I've stayed changed. I've decided there's things in my life I used to let in. They don't come in anymore. You know why? Because I found there's the God part and there's the man part. In Psalms 91, which is a great psalm that everybody needs to really, really spend parts of their year in every year, go time to time, go through Psalms 91. Starts off saying to Psalms 91, supposed to live in the secret place of the Most High. Jesus called that your prayer closet in Matthew chapter 6. He said, when thou prayest, pray to thy Father in secret. And your Father sees you in secret, will it reward you openly. In other words, Jesus said, you should have more of a spiritual life than coming to church at Christmas or Easter or occasional church services. He said, you should have a lifestyle with your Heavenly Father. And then at the end of Psalms 91, verses 14 through 16, he says, because this believer has set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. He says, I'll satisfy him with long life. 
I'll satisfy him with long life. I'll satisfy him with long life. That's the God part. What's the man part? He has set his love upon me. He chose to live at the secret place of the Most High. In other words, he acts the same whether somebody's watching him or not. You know what that's called? That's called godly character. That's called godly character. If you're around church people, you're not going to talk nasty, drink things, smoke things, do things you shouldn't do. If you're around sinners, you're not going to talk nasty, smoke things, drink things, say things you shouldn't do. You're going to act the same whether you're sinners, whether you're Christians. You're going to act the same because you choose to live the secret place of the Most High. Now, what am I saying? I'm saying God always has qualifications for us. He said, with long life will I satisfy the person that sits their love upon me. And then just something for your thinking, in John chapter 14, John chapter 15, Jesus tells us one way you prove your love to the Father is because you love his word. He said, he that doeth my sayings, he it is that loveth me. And I don't want to get too deep for you. You know, you've been around a while. You start saying things. But the thing is, he said, you prove your love by said your, uh, by, by, by the word. And so anyway, this man said, if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And so this hurting dad was like most people today. He thought just throwing out some hurting words to Jesus would get help. And you know what? I'd, I'd like what somebody said one time about, well, if that's all it took was to have problems, forget to get the help from God, that everybody would be have the problem solved because everybody's got problems. But Jesus said that without faith it's impossible to please him. He's no respecter of persons, but he is a respecter of faith. And so that's our whole thing. We have to learn how to turn the whining into winning. Amen. You know, he doesn't bless whiners, he blesses winners. And you got to start acting like a winner if you want to be blessed. But anyway, uh, most of the time, this man here told Jesus that. Most of the time, I want to say it again, there's the man part, then the God part. So then verse 23, after that man told him, he said, if you can do anything, have compassion. Jesus said, then look at this. Jesus turned it right back on the man. He said, if thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. So Jesus took the eyes off of him and put it back on the man. He said, now, he said, I want to turn it back on you, sir. If you'll believe, all things are possible with him. Believeth. I want to paraphrase this. And here's, 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 here's what he said in our talk. It's not a matter of what I can do. It's a matter of what you believe I will do for you. I want to say that again for us, for our lives Especially when I was hit last year, I knew it wasn't a matter what Jesus could do. It's a matter what I, Bernie Samples, not pastor samples, I had to come to him as a believer, not as a pastor. I'm a pastor to you and I'm a pastor for him, but I have to get up every day just like you do and choose to live today by faith or live like a dumb butt. And I've had, I've had those days. But 99.99% of the time now, I successfully get up and live as a believer and do what's right and don't get up and just choose to be have a stupid day. I, I quit having stupid days a long time ago. Amen. Amen. And so, I will say it again. What he told that man, to help that man understand, Jesus wanted to do a miracle there. But that man was the one that had authority in his son's life. 
That was the man that had authority in his family. He was the priest of his home. And so Jesus said, it's not a matter of what I can do. It's a matter of what you believe I will do for your son, David, who's been diagnosed with leukemia and he's crippled. And so I had my son, David, when that happened to him, anointed all in the name of the Lord by the elders of the church, because I had a church. I had a pastor. I had spiritual authority in my life. As so I went to the spiritual authority, had anointed my son for all in the name of the Lord. And just like when I got diagnosed last year, I had the elders of my church anoint me with all, prayed the prayer of faith. And once that happened, I said, it's done. Power of God's working in our lives right now. We're not moved by what we see, not moved by how we feel. Power of God's working. That's what I believe. I believe in the name of Jesus. It'll be unto us according to the word. And that's what began to happen. So listen to what I'm saying right there for you, for where you stand in life right now. If you can't believe, all things are possible to you that believe. In other words, where you are right now, Jesus can do anything. We sing those songs every Sunday here. We worship him with the words of those songs, but Jesus can only do, one thing he can't do is override your will. And when you, when you're to the place where you look more at sense knowledge and try to figure out how or why are the ones that didn't work for, that you just said, Jesus, you can do this for anybody except my family, because I'm telling you right now, this is really an impossible one. Well, Jesus said all things are possible. To him that believeth. Amen. Amen. Just speak it to your heart. So then verse 24. And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. He said, Lord, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. And I think this is where many Christians are. They love Jesus. They have head knowledge of Jesus. They've seen and heard of miracles and wonderful works of God that when Christ has come to their house, they fall apart. How do I know that? Because I'm a pastor, been doing this for a long, long time. I'm at the altar lines praying for people. We get the phone calls, we hear the things, and we think, man. And I know when, when David got, when he got that diagnosis, I wasn't a pastor yet. But it's a pretty serious thing. You got a three and a half year old son, and all of a sudden he doesn't have any legs. He goes crippled. And then I, I, I taught a healing school for a medical doctor. He was a cancer doctor at the hospital system that, I, that that we had to take David to. I would have never went there if he hadn't told me to go there. But anyway, long story short, put him put him to the hospital, check him out, and uh, I had I had my brother with me and had another man with me, and we go to this hospital. They checked him out for a day or so. And then they call us in there, and the doctor comes out. And this is just a regular hospital, like a Barstow hospital, what a children's hospital. God comes out to us and says, uh, Mr. Samples, you were probably there with me, wasn't you? Yeah, he was there. I just remember the other part. And so anyway, stand there, talk to this guy. And he says, I'm pretty certain your son has leukemia. Well, I live in an earth suit. My dad's sister died of leukemia. And so I saw what leukemia did. And so when he said that, when the guy said that, he said, we're going to, we're going to, we, we recommend you take him to the children's hospital in Indianapolis and let them confirm and, cause they can treat him. When he said that, I got hit with a wave of, and when I got hit, I started crying and shaking. That lasted for just a few minutes because I'm a man, I'm a man of the word. When that happened, 
I just stopped. I went like this. I said, okay, crying's over. Now we're going to battle. That was it. Never had one more bit of fear about that. Never had one more crying about that. Never had one more tear. What did I do? I did what I've been programmed to do in my spirit for all my Christian life at that point in time. I got on the word. First thing I did, we got him to the church, got anointed all on him, got them to pray the prayer of faith, got to the hospital, did their thing. Two weeks later, no cancer. Two weeks later, running, dancing, shouting, leaping, praising the Lord. Praise God for those miraculous results. But the whole thing was, whole thing was, I didn't have to say help thou my unbelief because I already had belief because I was a man of the word. You see what I'm saying? It's anyway, for this man right here, he said, help thou my unbelief. So that's many, many Christians fall apart because they don't have their faith ready yet. And so I want to look in the Bible how to help your unbelief or another way to say it is, how to turn your faith into answered prayer. How to turn your faith into answered prayer. And, it, and obviously this man here, Jesus delivered his son in the next couple of verses. So when he said, I believe, there must have been enough faith in that to get a hold of Jesus because he took care of the, take care of the son for him. So what I want to do, what I want to do is look at Psalms 103. And I want to start off and look at verse 7. I've never taught this psalm this way before. The Lord gave it to me fresh today. But this is really going to help you, especially, especially if you're in a place in life right now where your cry is, Lord, help thou my unbelief. Lord, help me to get my faith built up. Lord, help me. Help me, Lord, to take this word from my head to my heart so I reach into my heart and pull out faith to get the answers to this. Psalms 103, verse 7, says this. He made known his ways unto Moses, his acts unto the children of Israel. And so what this is saying is this. Israel got to see what God did, but God showed Moses how he did it. That's where most Christians live at. They see things happen all around them in the faith arena and they say things like, well, God moves in mysterious ways as wonders to perform. They haven't a clue what happened, but some of us have got a hold of it, and we know exactly what happened. We respect it to happen. We said it was going to happen before it happened. We were part of it. And when it happened, we didn't get too excited because we got excited before it happened because we knew what was coming. Because we know, we know what God does for us to be in re, uh, position to receive miracles. And, you know, I think about I wrote up my Bible by this passage several years ago. I remember when computers first started coming on the scene where people started having computers. My son Josh, I think about this sometimes, the role that we as parents have in our kids' destiny, their future. When Josh was a little kid, we knew that uh, he was kind of a brain guy. And Dave was pretty smart too. He's Pastor Dave. <laughs> But no, we've all got different things we're called to do. You know, I think about Chuck the welder and the machinist and stuff. He does. Everybody can't do that. I can use belly wire and gray tape, but Chuck could weld and bolt things and drill things. <laughs> we all got different things we're gifted at. But anyway, when Joshua and, and Pastor Dave, when they were little kids, I remember it was probably, well, probably around 30 years ago, whizzed, whizzed out of Sears shopping for Christmas. And I remember I saw this thing up there and said, Sega! Anybody ever see those Sega things? 
I don't even, probably don't even have them now, I guess. I hear these things called PlayStation, and I don't want to sound like some stupid old man, but I'm not sure what a PlayStation is. You know, when I was a kid, that was a gas station. We played that on Sunday because it was closed down. <laughs> That's our PlayStation. We played ball by <laughs> We played ball down. We said, we're going, where, are you guys, where are you guys going to do today? Go down to Johnny's Golf. We're going to play ball. Because Johnny wasn't open on Sunday because it was, it was a Bible country back then. Anyway, we got Joshua and Pastor Dave a, a Sega. And boy, I'll tell you what, they loved that thing. It really mastered it then. Joshua uh, we just really started getting into computer things. Really, really loved computers. And I'm, I'm fast-forwarding now to probably 25 years ago, maybe, something like that. I was already pastoring. Yeah, yeah, I was pastoring. Yeah, mid-90s, he had, this free, he had this friend in high school that was a really smart kid. They just got out of high school. Josh was running the computer system for, the bank, for the, one of the bank chains in Indiana. Josh was the number two guy that fixed the computers for the bank and run around troubleshooting, fixing computers for all these smart people. And so anyway, uh, they, I, I forget what, we must have got a computer in our house or something because he had this really smart guy come to my house there and try to show me how to do something on it. And finally, after a while, this guy's a really big shot in Indiana, a politician and stuff. I remember this kid sitting at my table, a little blessed kid, and he says, you know what? There's a lot of people in the world that don't think about computers, and some people don't have a clue, and you're one of them. That always stuck with me. He said, I didn't have a clue about computers. But you know what? He was speaking the truth in love. Still don't have a clue about computers very much. But I got my iPhone. And so I said that to get around to this. I am like the children of Israel computers. I can see what a computer could do. My son Joshua now builds computers. If we need a computer, Josh builds our computers. Josh has a really great job doing computer stuff now for a really great corporation, making a lot of money doing what he does. Joshua knows how to make computers work. I can only watch what they do when you work them. Okay, I know... I know how to get in position. We don't tell God what to do. We're not at all any kind of stupid, dumb, but people. But the Word of God tells us things we can do to be in position to receive from God. I know what to do to get in position to receive healing from God. I know what to do to be in position to get favor with people from God giving me favor. Lots of things I know how to do to be in position. And from the Word of God... I can show you what to do to be in position. Amen. You can be just for the person that says, well, I'll tell you what, if we just get them to church, we can get them help. Always get them to church to get them help. But the whole thing is, wouldn't you like to be the one that somebody says, I'll tell you what, just tell you what, if you just get into Walmart at break time, you can just catch, catch Irma or Alexis, one of those, one of those high desert word center people, they'll get you a miracle. Those people get answered prayer. Amen. Tell you what, if you just get, if you just get hold of Leanne, Leanne knows how to hear from God. Leanne will get you answers. Would you like to be that, the person they, they know that you're the Moses? That you, you got a rod, you raise that rod and the, and the Red Sea parts? Man, we want to show you how to kill those giants in your life. Amen. Yeah, when, when Goliath comes and tells you he's going to take you out, you'll be like David. Say, you uncircumcised Philistine, who you think you are, said, don't you know you're defying the armies of the living God? He didn't say, hey, you're offended me. He said, you're offending the living God. And he said, now I'm going to show all of Israel there is a God in Israel. That's what I want us to be as people of faith. That's what God wants us to be. I want to demonstrate 
You know, the people who talk about the people around. I want to demonstrate to all you losers that Jesus is alive. Jesus is Lord. I want to be out there like Elijah. I want to call that fire down. Let them do everything they can with their gods. And then say, if Baal be God, serve him. But if God be God, serve him. Now, God, show them I'm your man. Had the fire come down. I like to be in positions, especially when I'm with sinners. And I know God's got me on a mission when I tell them, if I lay hands on you, you're going to have the power of God come through you and that pain's going to leave you. When I pray for your baby, what's your baby going to change right now? God's going to do this. I like to be in position for those things to happen. i tell you what, I've been in so many, and a lot of you have to, I've been in so many times in places like that where you don't feel an ounce of God in you. You feel nothing. You just feel desert But you know the Word of God. You know you're covenant with God. You're walking with God. And you tell people, I'll tell you what, when I pray for you, you're going to see something happen. When I pray for you, the power of God's going to hit you. And the power of God hits you, that pain's going to leave you. And you know, what's the difference between that? The Moses said, I'm going to hold up the rod and you watch the Red Sea part. Same thing. When Elijah says, I've cried out to God, the fire's going to come down. When David said, Giant, your head's coming off today. They were all people like us, except we got something they didn't have. We have eternal life in our spirit. With all them, God was on the outside. With us, it's God on the inside. Amen. Amen. And so it says right here that, that he made known his ways unto Moses. Guess what? He's made known his ways unto you. I, th- I think about Jenny. He made known his ways unto Jenny, and she got to see that on her job. That is so powerful, Jenny. That's such a powerful testimony, the, the, the goodness of God. She get a little persecution on the job there about her Christian faith. Come up here Wednesday night for prayer. I prayed, I agreed with her. Was it the very next day when you got the results? Very next day, the persecutor turned into the rejoicer. Put the Christian music all on the job site and changed the whole atmosphere that was a divine intervention from heaven. We got up here and we prayed and we agreed. And I said, you're going to see a difference. Amen. Did I feel anything? Nope, I didn't feel anything. But you know what? He's made known his ways unto me. Jesus told me we've got authority over demon spirits. Jesus told me if we ask anything his name, he'll do it. All Jesus needs is cooperation from earth. If we hadn't have done what we did, if we would have got up here... And I would have said, well, Jenny, things are bad everywhere. I was in Walmart. They didn't even say Merry Christmas. All they said was Happy Holidays. <laughs> the devil got into Walmart now. And there's good Christian people working there. They can't even say Merry Christmas. Oh, that's tough, Jenny. I don't know. I don't know it's bad. Jenny, I'm going to pray for you just endure till the end. Endure to the end. And then the devil gets on the show and says, Jesus, we're with you till the end. This is the end. <laughs> Has anybody ever heard that stupid little voice before? There's been times in my Christian life I've been going through things, and I've heard that little empty voice. Well, he said he'd be with you till the end. This is the end. I've really heard that little stupid voice before. I say, no, devil, get out of here. It's your end. You're out of here. <laughs> oh, man. That's yes, anyway, I want you to notice then, Go up to the top of your psalm. Does your Bible say Psalms 103? Does it say something right underneath that before you get to verse 1? 
What's it say? A Psalm of David. Has anybody ever heard of David? David was the giant killer. David's the one that God named Jerusalem after the city of David. Etc., etc. There's so much said about David in the Bible, but David was also the murderer. David was the adulterer. In other words, David was just like so many people today. He made some very grievous errors and mistakes, but praise God for his mercy and his grace. And why do I say that? Why does the Bible teach those things? Because God wants you to know that God will bless repentant sinners. God will do things for you when you've got a right heart and you confess and admit the errors of your ways. You know, one thing that God won't bless is a phony and a con. And as a pastor, I've learned over the years when people come to me wanting help, when every time they come and wanting help, and it's pretty obvious that they cause their own problems with people and other things like that, when they never admit their own faults, never admit their own errors, it's so easy to help somebody. If somebody's went out and committed sexual sin and got somebody pregnant and stuff like that, then all the time you want to fight to bring it on somebody else like that, I can't help them. But when they admit and say, man, we shouldn't have did what we did, now here's what's going on like that. I said, well, good, God knows that. God loves that baby. God wants to help you. God wants to help her. But when it's all just a con job, wanting to fight somebody, get out of responsibility, you can't help people. But when people confess and repent, and people want to do right, that God can open the windows of heaven, man, do everything he can to make their life turn out better. But sometimes through sin, there's sin scars you have to live with for a long time. You're scarred for life. And when you are, the mercy of God will give you a good life. But sometimes there's scars because there's different levels of sin, different things, especially when they affect other people. They carry with you for a long time. But the thing is, the blessing of God can still be on your life. Amen. So David was one of those. that Would, would everybody agree when he, when he had Uzziah murdered? That was pretty bad. And he had Uzziah murdered because he had sex with Uzziah's wife and got her pregnant. That's pretty bad sin. And you know, I, I doubt if anybody here is with that far yet in their life. But look at David. He's in the Hall of Fame. The Hebrews Hall of Fame. David's all through the Bible. Jerusalem's called the city of the great king, the city of David, etc., etc. And so when I see things like this in the Bible, I think, wow, if God could do that for David, he could do it for me. And write this verse down. Acts 13.22. Acts 13.22. And in Acts 13.22, he said, I have found David the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, which shall fulfill all my will. And that's my life verse. That's my life verse. Years ago, years ago, when I, was, I went to a seminar, teacher, you ought to have a, you know, something you build your life around. And when you stand in front of Jesus, you want to hear the speech Jesus makes to you at the judgment seat of Christ. Well, I prayed about that back when this guy was, you know, talking about how do you, what do you want to accomplish in your life? What is it you want to get done when Jesus judges you? What do you want him to say about you? All I think of was, wow, I want Jesus to be able to say, I found Bernie. And I got this written in all my Bibles. When I see that verse, I always write it. I found Bernie, the son of Barney. That's my dad's name, Barney. I found Bernie, the son of Barney, a man after my own heart, which fulfilled all my will. And so that's, that's my heart. It's for God to say about me, you fulfilled all my will. That's why I constantly keep my antenna up to find out am I on course, am I heading the right direction, because I want to hear you say it about me, Jesus. And so I said that about David here. God said that about David, 
And so we see some things about David here, because when you, you start reading at verse 1, that David's the one that wrote in verse 7 about Moses. So David's the one saying these things. And so uh, for what we're looking at here is we want to see what David said, how he lived, where he could actually say it about Moses, because obviously David must have been close enough to God for God to tell this about Moses. Amen. And so verse 1, verse 1, I want you to see this. In this psalm, David says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. And so how many here know there's a difference between your spirit and your soul? Your spirit is where eternal life comes into. Your soul works with your spirit. That, that, that's your emotional part. That's your will part. That's the part that says, I will serve God. Or that's the part that says, I will never do that. I know the tithes of the Bible, but I will never do that. That's too much money. Well, I know the Bible says that you're supposed to forgive. Once again, the man part, the God part. Forgive and you'll be forgiven. Well, the will part says sometimes, well, I will never forgive her. She took my tootsie roll. It might as well be something that stupid, the things that people hold unforgiveness about in life. It's so dumb. Well, uh, I, I, I will never forgive. I will never forget. That comes from your soul, not your spirit. The love of God's in your heart, not in your soul. And so he says, bless the Lord, O my soul. In other words, your soul has to do with your emotions and your feelings. And so what David said, soul, emotions, Feelings, shut up. Whether I feel like it or not in the morning time, I'm going to say, good morning, Jesus, I love you. Hallelujah, whatever it is you do, this is the day the Lord has made. I'll rejoice be glad in it. I talk about a guy right here that God would say, he's a man after my own heart. I talk about a guy that said that Moses knew what opened the door for God to move. And so David says, one of those things open the door is, you're going to praise God whether you feel like it or not. You're going to worship God whether you feel like it or not. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. By the way, spirit man, solical man, right now, I'm telling you everything on the inside of me, you're going to praise God. And man, you feel dumb, you feel stupid. And let me tell you the times, I don't know about everybody, I know about me, the times when I'm in the biggest crisis, when I feel the less presence of God. If you ever been in a courtroom situation, or you ever been in a medical situation, a family thing, and stuff like that, most of the time I don't feel anything. I feel nothing. But you know what I do? I quote verses. I praise Him. I thank Him. I give glory to Him like that. And that footprints in the sand thing could have almost been in the Bible. It's so real. When He said, "We walk by faith, but not by sight," and then in a First Corinthians 11, when he's talking about that man that went into paradise, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, saw things he should have seen, he said, for when I am weak, that's when I'm the strongest. Because when you feel absolutely nothing, when you feel weak, when you feel like absolutely bad, God, if he's a million miles away, he's a million miles away, and your head says, I don't know where he's at, and you're saying, oh, praise the Lord, thank you, Jesus, you're with me. Thank you, Lord, you said you'd never leave me nor forsake me. 
Thank you, Lord, you said lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Thank you, Lord, you said you rebuke the devour from me. Thank you, Lord, you said the windows of heaven are open. When you're saying that and you feel nothing, that's the time when you see that picture of the footprints in the sand. They say, Lord, I notice there's two sets of prints here, but all of a sudden, when we got right here, there's only one. And that's when I was going to the darkest time of my life. I said, how come my footprints are there? Jesus said, that's not your footprints, that's mine. I was carrying you through that. Amen. I remember last year at the most serious part of that stuff going on with me before I was getting any manifestation of healing in my body, etc., etc. The Lord gave me Psalms 23 where it says, Yea, thou walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I didn't understand shadows till God told me when I was going through that. But if you're in somebody's shadow, that means you're close enough to them that the shadow's over. So if you're in the valley of the shadow of death, you're so close to the spirit of death that shadow's on you. But then he told me this. He, God gave this to me. He said, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will feel no evil. He said, Because the greater shadows with you. Psalms 91, I dwell in the secret place of the most high, and the shadow of the Almighty had me covered. He said, I was walking through the shadow of death, close to death. But he said, The greater shadows got you covered walking through there. Amen. 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 That shadow was with me going through there because of what I've said right here. I was praising him when nothing said praise. I was thanking him when my brain was basically brain dead through that cancer. I was praising him for my spirit. I was blessing the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. That's what I was doing. Didn't see anything, didn't feel anything, but praise God. Psalms 119, verse 11, thy word have I hid in my heart, O Lord, that I might not sin against thee. Had that word in my heart, and it was coming out. So anyway... For you to be able to be in position, now that's not talking about receiving miracles. For you to be in position, receive miracles from God, you need to be blessing Him, praising Him, worshiping Him all the time by faith, not by feelings. By faith, not by feelings. But you know what I found out? So many times you start praising Him by faith, you'll get the feeling then, because the presence of God will begin to come as you do Him. I remember back in Bible school, back in 1983, God teaches a prayer class. Uh, how many of you guys have been around very many real Pentecostals? I mean real Pentecostals, real Pentecostals. The Holy Rollers, that's where I started off at. Those guys, I mean, they, get, they had this one guy, uh, he said, Woo, we got the heebie-jeebies. And he started jumping and dancing. And these goosebumps going up and down his neck like, oh, I got the heebie-jeebies. Well, the Pentecostals were big on the heebie-jeebies. Had the goosebumps and all that kind of stuff. They had, in other words, Pentecostals I knew back back in the early 80s, they had to have goosebumps, no God moved. They got around word of faith people, they didn't have to have goosebumps. They said, well, the word says it, I believe it, that settles it. I got the word. Well, this anyway, this Bible teacher on prayer said, he said, I'll tell you Pentecostals what, if you got to have goosebumps to know your prayers are answered, I'll get you a block of ice to sit on when you pray sit on the ice. Amen. What am I telling you? If you're going to get miracles, that man said, help my unbelief. If thou canst believe, you're going to start being a person that starts praising God even when you feel the lostest. I can't tell you how many Sundays the last 30-some years, 35 years, whatever, I've been preaching teaching. Well, I've given a great, great message on Jesus and getting saved like that. And then I'd say, you know, 
Uh, if you want Jesus to come here and pray for you, you know what I want to do sometime? I want to turn around and say, and lay hands on me and go, I wanted it. And I would, I would, I would be with my head, my head would be saying, there's no anointing here. There's nothing here, et cetera, et cetera. And somebody comes up here and tells me something serious, something they got going on. I lay hands on them. And one old man, they do flip flops that are on the floor down there and they get uphill. I felt nothing. I said, glory to God, that was good, wasn't it? <laughs> like that, I felt nothing. But you know why? I don't have to feel something. That's the diff- that's the difference. You know, that's like, that's like feelings are like candy to a kid. You know, a kid has to have candy. Sometimes I see some of the parents that entice their kids with little candies and treats to get them to behave. Mature kids don't need candy to do what's right. You don't have to give me a blessing for me to do right. I'm going to do it anyway. But babies need blessed. They've got to have the feeling. Babies got to have the goosebumps. Babies got to know that God's here because they feel his presence. I know God's here right now because the Bible says he's here. How did I know he's here? Well, he told me he'd never leave me nor forsake me. And I know you're all believers. And I know he never left you or forsake you. So I know when, when we walk out the door, I hope this doesn't bust religious bubbles. We walk out the door. God's not in here anymore. It's just a building. Because his presence doesn't dwell in buildings made by hands anymore. His presence dwells in us. We walk out. we got an empty building. We walk in. God walks in. You walk out of your job. God just showed up. Why? Because you showed up. And you're a temple of the Holy Ghost. Amen. And so David, it's showing us how Moses got in position, how David got in position to kill the giant. David said, I'm going to be a praiser. I'm going to be a worshiper. I'm going to get up. I'm going to go to bed praising him and thanking him. Then he said, then he said in verse two, he said, bless the Lord, all my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Forget not all his benefits. Let me ask you about the word forget. Uh, let's see. Martina, do you remember my phone number? You know why? Because you never learned it. You can't forget something you never learned. So, if you're going to forget not the benefits, you better start learning some benefits. You want me to tell you where you don't learn them at? You don't learn them on playing video games. Unless they got some kind of Bible game teaching you the Bible or something, I guess. You know where you can learn about the benefits of God at? You're not going to get them watching on CNN. Or Fox News. Or singing some secular rock and roll Christmas song. I like those old songs, man. I'll tell you what. Uh, jingle Bell, Jingle Bell, Jingle Bell Rock. The guy, the guy that actually wrote that song and sung it went to my church back in Indiana before he died. Bobby Helms. He was from Martinsville where we were from. And I actually, I actually, when I first got saved, he had a nightclub. He went out of business with the nightclub and then started church and I went to a church and Bobby Helms, Jingle Bell Rock guy. And I like that song. I like to hear that jingle bell, jingle bell, jingle bell rock. But guess what? I don't learn about the benefits of God in that song. I didn't forget that song. It stuck with me. <laughs> but the thing was, what I'm telling you, David, a man after God's own heart, said, forget not all his benefits. And so Jesus told that man the son needed healed. He said, if you can believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. If you know the benefits, you can believe the benefits. If you don't, you can't. 
said, forget not all his benefits. And so we, as believers, not only being praise of worshipers, we need to be talking to the Lord about his benefits. Reminding him. And really, you're not reminding him, we're reminding ourselves. But it, it blesses the Father when you thank him for what he's done for you through Jesus. And we've always got to remember, it's not things we earned, the benefits come to us because of what Jesus did. I praise God that although I wasn't a good enough person to earn healing from cancer or heart disease, that Jesus, 2,000 years ago, took stripes on his back. Because he took stripes on his back, that was a benefit of being a born-again Christian. I say, thank you, Father, that Jesus took those wounds. He was wounded my transgressions, bruised my iniquities, chastised my peace upon him, according to Isaiah 53, 5. By his stripes, I was healed. And Lord, I just want to thank you. I did this last year, remembering the benefits. Lord, I want to thank you that I was healed. And if I was healed, that I am healed. And my blood has no choice but to change to line up with the Word of God. Amen. And, and then, and then, you know, people, people that don't know, even Christians that don't know, when somebody likes me goes to what I did and got my healing, say, oh, you was lucky. Oh, man, you were really lucky. No, I did what David did. I did what Moses did. I got in position to be healing from God. I praised the Lord, but I didn't feel like praising. I forgot not His benefits. And I could not forget not His benefits if I didn't have knowledge of His benefits. And so that's what I'm telling you again and again and again. I beseech you, my brothers and sisters in Christ, study your Bibles. Learn chapter and verse the benefits. How many here are in Teamsters or some kind of a union? Anybody here Teamsters or union people? That's all we got here. We got two union, three union people. Have, have you ever been around the union fanatics? My brother was a business agent for Teamsters. He was a real fanatic. And uh, anyway, the Teamsters guys, I'll tell you what, when the contract is violated, I'll be lived up to, they'll tell you, go to chapter 3, paragraph 2, article 3, section B, point 2, and it says you can't make this man work more than one hour overtime on Christmas Eve. It's right here. Chapter 3, paragraph 2, article 2, chapter 3, part B, section, they, they, they quote it, chapter and verse, what it is. That's what Christians are going to know the benefits have to do. They've got to be able to stand there and they've got to point the devil, tries to put cancer on them, tries to hurt their baby, because say, devil, in the name of Jesus, 1 Peter 2.24 says, by Jesus' stripes my child was healed. Mark 16, verse 17 says, these signs shall follow them, believe, lay hands on the sick in the name of Jesus. And then verse 18 says, they shall recover. And then verse 20 says, the Lord working with it to confirm the word besides following devil. In Jesus' name, you're out of here because it is written in my covenant and my contract. The benefit is, I've got hands, Jesus in me, I lay hands, baby healed. Case closed. Amen. What did you do? You just filed a grievance and you won. That's good preaching. Amen. And so then, he says in verse 3 then, some of the benefits are, this is the biggie, he forgiveth all thine iniquities, healeth part of thy diseases. Heals what? That's a benefit. 
So by being positioned for miracles, heals all thy diseases. Verse 4 says, who redeemeth thy life from destruction. Oh, praise God. Redeems thy life from destruction. I was talking to Dave McNeil before the service back in the coffee bar. And Dave was a guy a whole lot like I was. I was raised in a drinking family. Man, 16 years old, the police pronounced me dead at a drunken accident. And I was the drunken driver. At 16 years old, they called for a quarter because they said that 16-year-old boy's dead. But praise God for Baptist grandmas that ought to pray. My Baptist grandma prayed because I didn't know any other Christians in my whole family. Man, we had bootleggers and thugs and mafia guys in my family. Man, they were bad dudes. I'm serious, bad dudes. And anyway, my grandma prayed. I know she prayed me off that death, off that deathbed. And so my life was in destruction mode. When I was married, and when I was 19 years old, my appendix ruptured. I was a sinner on my way to hell. And they told my that my dad, my mom, and my wife, they've got less than a 50-50 chance. For 11 days, I laid there with poison in my body from that ruptured appendix, and the people didn't know I was going to live, but I was going to die. That was destruction mode. God redeemed my life from destruction. Me and Dave used to be those drunks, man. We used to think we were so smart. Think we're so funny. Say all that stupid, dumb stuff. The stuff we did. Praise God. We're redeemed from that destruction, Dave. We're not there anymore. You know what that's called according to King David right now? That's called a benefit. How many of you have been in destructive behaviors in your life before where your life was headed to the wrong road like that? Well, praise God. I received a miracle from God. I broke the curse over the Samples family. When I asked Jesus into my heart, I called upon the name of the Lord. He saved me, and I chose to stay saved. Amen. And now, and now instead of raising up thugs and bootleggers and, and bad people, I raise up preachers. Amen. Amen. I, ra- I, raise up, I raise up kids that marry right, and then they serve the Lord and help other people live right, show them what to do. But that wasn't where I was at before. One of the benefits is he forgave all my iniquities, healed all my diseases, redeemed my life from destruction. Guess what? It crowns me with loving kindness and tender mercies. Amen. You know, like Psalms 23 says, I got, I, 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 I got a couple people following me around everywhere they go. Goodness and mercy follow me all the days of my life. Every time I turn around, look behind me. Who's that behind me? Well, that's goodness. That's mercy. They're following me everywhere I go. The goodness and mercy follow me everywhere I go. That's the benefits. I'm talking about being in position, being in position for God to do miracles. And then verse 5, verse 5 says, Who satisfies thy mouth with good things. We're not talking about Taco Bell. We're not talking about pumpkin pie. We're not talking about mashed potatoes. Who satisfies their mouth with good things that their youth is renewed like the eagles. What do you remember in Matthew chapter 4 verse 4? Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word, every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And so in other words, just as food is to your physical body, the word of God is to your spiritual life. And so we need to, we talk all the time about feed on the Word. Feed on the Word. And then Paul talked about Hebrews chapter 6. As we're growing, we start eating the meat of the Word. 
First Peter chapter chapter two, he talks about the milk of the word. As it says right here, he satisfies our mouth with good things. That's so in other words, it's like Romans chapter ten says, we need to have the word in our heart and in our mouth. In our heart and in our mouth. In our heart and in our mouth. And so when he says that he satisfies our mouth with good things, David practiced speaking the Old Testament scriptures, because that's all they had did, speaking those scriptures. And then today we have David's Psalms. As we talk these words out of these Psalms, our mouth is being satisfied. How does faith come? Hearing the Word of God. When your mouth is full of the Word of God and you're quoting it out loud, what are you hearing? The Word. So what's happening to your faith? Faith is coming. Faith is growing. And, and so let me tell you what that's doing. When that man said, help thou my unbelief, I didn't have to say that when I got diagnosed. Because I had a faith level in me because I do this all the time. I live this way. And so I call this becoming conscious of the presence of God. When you're doing what he did here, you're blessing the Lord, you're praising the Lord, you're reminding yourself the benefits of God, you're becoming more conscious of his presence. That's why it's so good even the Christian songs you listen to, you know, a while ago was joking about me singing and stuff like that. I've, I've never been a music person. I don't listen to Christian radio songs and stuff like that. Well, I used to drive a truck. I listen to Christian radio nonstop. I listen to Kenneth Hagin teach. I can't listen to Kenneth Copeland teach. I listen to Marilyn Heckey. I listen to Jerry Savelle. I listen to R.W. Scheinbach. I just on and on faith teachers. And so I listen to Christian radio but I wasn't into the music part. I was into the word part. That's why I'm so strong in what I am. But if you're going to listen to Christian music, be careful what you listen to in the Christian music. You know, I've heard some of those people who do some of those Christian songs. They're so goofy because they smoke, mar- smoke marijuana and get high on marijuana and think they're high on the Holy Ghost. They write Christian music. You know, people can't smoke dope and be saved. You know, it makes them dopey. You know, People can break beer and still be saved. Makes them goofy. But if you've got to be spiritual, you don't do dope and you don't drink. Amen? And so anyway, anyway, as you're quoting those verses of God, do those things, keep your mouth full of the Word of God, then he says, your youth is renewed like the eagles. That, that's why my 81-year-old wife looks like she's 21. Oh, you're not that old. Oh, that's right. <laughs> well, sometimes people ask us how we really are, and they misguess our ages because we look older than what we are. Hey, man, I don't look 81, do I? Younger than what we are. You know why that is, though? Because we keep the word in our mouth. Our youth is renewed like the eagles. Hey, Amen. So I just want to leave this with you. If you want to be able... To be in position when crisis comes to your family, comes to your house, to where you don't have to cry out and say, Lord, if you can do anything, you can stand up boldly in the face of the crisis to your family. As I've done many times with my heathen family back in Indiana, places like that, you stand up boldly and you say, guys, don't have to worry about it. Me and Jesus got this. We're going to take care of this. We got it. And because... We don't live a compromised lifestyle because all the years we went to the family unions, we didn't drink with them. We didn't gossip with them. We didn't beat up other people with them with our mouths. 
and things like that. We didn't brag about the sin we did that week because we didn't do those things. My family in times of crisis call me. My family in times of crisis have gathered around me. When they got a crisis and I show up in Indiana, family knows everything's okay. Because when I show up, Jesus shows up with me. I don't say, Jesus, if you can do anything, oh Lord, it's so bad. Oh Jesus, oh, that's okay. Don't worry about it, Jesus. I would get up there and say, guys, we're going to take authority over this. And then we got their attention. We could tell them some things then, et cetera, et cetera. As I'm telling you right now, you can have miracles happen in your family if you do the things we just talked about. Think about Psalms 103, and that will cause you to always stay conscious of the presence of God. Amen. Amen. That's what we want. It's Christmas time, and we can, we can bring miracles on the scene at our family gatherings. Amen, amen, amen. Let's stand up. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.